Book 7, Chapter 3 of Amelia, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lindsay. Amelia, Volume 2 by Henry Fielding. Book 7, Chapter 3. Continuation of Mrs. Bennet's Story. I think, madam, said Mrs. Bennet, I told you my father promised me to inquire farther into the affair, but he had hardly time to keep his word, for we separated pretty late in the evening, and early the next morning he was married to the widow. But, though he gave no credit to my information, I had sufficient reason to think he did not forget it, by the resentment which he soon discovered to both the persons whom I had named as my informers. Nor was it long before I had good cause to believe that my father's new wife was perfectly well acquainted with the good opinion I had of her, not only from her usage of me, but from certain hints which she threw forth with an air of triumph. One day, particularly, I remember she said to my father, upon his mentioning his age, "'Oh, my dear, I hope you have many years yet to live, unless, indeed, I should be so cruel as to break your heart.' She spoke these words looking me full in the face, and accompanied them with a sneer in which the highest malice was visible, under a thin covering of affected pleasantry. I will not entertain you, madam, with anything so common as the cruel usage of a stepmother, nor of what affected me much more, the unkind behavior of a father under such an influence. It shall suffice only to tell you that I had the mortification to perceive the gradual and daily decrease of my father's affection. His smiles were converted into frowns. The tender appellations of child and dear were exchanged for plain Molly, that girl, that creature, and sometimes much harder names. I was at first turned all at once into a cipher, and at last seemed to be considered as a nuisance in the family. Thus altered was the man of whom I gave you such a character at the entrance on my story, but, alas, he no longer acted from his own excellent disposition, but was in everything governed and directed by my mother-in-law. In fact, whenever there is great disparity of years between husband and wife, the younger is, I believe, always possessed of absolute power over the elder, for superstition itself is a less firm support of absolute power than dotage. But though his wife was so entirely mistress of my father's will that she could make him use me ill, she could not so perfectly subdue his understanding as to prevent him from being conscious of such ill usage, and from this consciousness he began inveterately to hate me. Of this hatred he gave me numberless instances, and I protest to you I know not any other reason for it than what I have assigned, and the cause, as experience hath convinced me, is adequate to the effect. While I was in this wretched situation, my father's unkindness having almost broken my heart, he came one day into my room with more anger in his countenance than I had ever seen, and after bitterly upbraiding me with my undutiful behavior both to himself and his worthy consort, he bid me pack up my awls, and immediately prepare to quit his house, at the same time gave me a letter, and told me that would acquaint me where I might find a home, adding that he doubted not but I expected, and had indeed solicited the invitation, and left me with a declaration that he would have no spies in his family. The letter I found on opening it was from my father's own sister, but before I mention the contents I will give you a short sketch of her character, as it was somewhat particular. Her personal charms were not great, for she was very tall, very thin, and very homely. Of the defect of her beauty she was, perhaps, 
sensible her vanity therefore retreated into her mind where there is no looking-glass and consequently where we can flatter ourselves with discovering almost whatever beauties we please this is an encouraging circumstance and yet i have observed dear mrs booth that few women ever seek these comforts from within till they are driven to it by despair of finding any food for their vanity from without indeed i believe the first wish of our whole sex is to be handsome here both the ladies fixed their eyes on the glass and both smiled my aunt however continued mrs bennet from despair of gaining any applause this way had applied herself entirely to the contemplation of her understanding and had improved this to such a pitch that at the age of fifty at which she was now arrived she had contracted a hearty contempt for much the greater part of both sexes for the women as being idiots and for the men as the admirers of idiots that word and fool were almost constantly in her mouth and were bestowed with great liberality among all her acquaintance this lady had spent one day only at my father's house in near two years it was about a month before his second marriage at her departure she took occasion to whisper me her opinion of the widow whom she called a pretty idiot and wondered how her brother could bear such company under his roof for neither she nor i had at that time any suspicion of what afterwards happened the letter which my father had just received and which was the first she had sent him since his marriage was of such a nature that i should be unjust if i blamed him for being offended fool and idiot were both plentifully bestowed in it as well on himself as on his wife but what perhaps had principally offended him was that part which related to me for after much panegyric on my understanding and saying he was unworthy of such a daughter she considered his match not only as the highest indiscretion as it related to himself but as a downright act of injustice to me one expression in it i shall never forget you have placed said she a woman above your daughter who in understanding the only valuable gift of nature is the lowest in the whole class of pretty idiots after much more of this kind it concluded with inviting me to her house i can truly say that when i had read the letter i entirely forgave my father's suspicion that i had made some complaints to my aunt of his behaviour for though i was indeed innocent there was surely colour enough to suspect the contrary though i had never been greatly attached to my aunt nor indeed had she formerly given me any reason for such an attachment yet i was well enough pleased with her present invitation to say the truth i led so wretched a life where i then was that it was impossible not to be a gainer by any exchange i could not however bear the thoughts of leaving my father with an impression on his mind against me which i did not deserve i endeavoured therefore to remove all his suspicion of my having complained to my aunt by the most earnest asseverations of my innocence but they were all to no purpose all my tears all my vows and all my entreaties were fruitless my new mother indeed appeared to be my advocate but she acted her part very poorly and far from counterfeiting any desire of succeeding in my suit she could not conceal the excessive joy which she felt on the occasion well madam the next day i departed for my aunt's where after a long journey of forty miles i arrived without having once broke my fast on the road for grief is as capable as food of filling the stomach and i had too much of the former to admit any of the latter the fatigue of my journey and the agitation of my mind joined to my fasting so overpowered my spirits that when i was taken from my horse i immediately fainted away in the arms of the man who helped me from my saddle 
my aunt expressed great astonishment at seeing me in this condition with my eyes almost swollen out of my head with tears but my father's letter which i delivered her soon after i came to myself pretty well i believe cured her surprise she often smiled with a mixture of contempt and anger while she was reading it and having pronounced her brother to be a fool she turned to me and with as much affability as possible for she is no great mistress of affability said don't be uneasy dear molly for you are come to the house of a friend of one who hath sense enough to discern the author of all the mischief depend upon it child i will ere long make some people ashamed of their folly this kind reception gave me some comfort my aunt assuring me that she would convince him how unjustly he had accused me of having made any complaints to her a paper war was now begun between these two which not only fixed an irreconcilable hatred between them but confirmed my father's displeasure against me and in the end i believe did me no service with my aunt for i was considered by both as the cause of their dissension though in fact my stepmother who very well knew the affection my aunt had for her had long since done her business with my father and as for my aunt's affection towards him it had been abating several years from an apprehension that he did not pay sufficient deference to her understanding i had lived about half a year with my aunt when i heard of my stepmother's being delivered of a boy and the great joy my father expressed on that occasion but poor man he lived not long to enjoy his happiness for within a month afterwards i had the melancholy news of his death notwithstanding all the disobligations i had lately received from him i was sincerely afflicted at my loss of him all his kindness to me in my infancy all his kindness to me while i was growing up recurred to my memory raised a thousand tender melancholy ideas and totally obliterated all thoughts of his latter behavior for which i made also every allowance and every excuse in my power but what may perhaps appear more extraordinary my aunt began soon to speak of him with concern she said he had some understanding formerly though his passion for that vile woman had in a great measure obscured it and one day when she was in an ill humor with me she had the cruelty to throw out a hint that she had never quarrelled with her brother if it had not been on my account my father during his life had allowed my aunt very handsomely for my board for generosity was too deeply riveted in his nature to be plucked out by all the power of his wife so far however she prevailed that though he died possessed of upwards of two thousand pounds he left me no more than a hundred pounds which as he expressed in his will was to set me up in some business if i had the grace to take any hitherto my aunt had in general treated me with some degree of affection but her behavior began now to be changed she soon took an opportunity of giving me to understand that her fortune was insufficient to keep me and as i could not live on the interest of my own it was high time for me to consider about going into the world she added that her brother having mentioned my setting up in some business in his will was very foolish that i had been bred to nothing and besides that the sum was too trifling to set me up in any way of reputation she desired me therefore to think of immediately going into service this advice was perhaps right enough and i told her i was very ready to do as she directed me but i was at that time in an ill state of health i desired her therefore to let me stay with her till my legacy which was not to be paid till a year after my father's death was due and i then promised to satisfy her for my board to which she readily consented and now madam said mrs bennet sighing 
I am going to open to you those matters which lead directly to that great catastrophe of my life, which hath occasioned my giving you this trouble, and of trying your patience in this manner. Amelia, notwithstanding her impatience, made a very civil answer to this, and then Mrs. Bennet proceeded to relate what is written in the next chapter. End of Book 7, Chapter 3 Recording by Lindsay